I want you to take your Bibles or your apps or whatever you read on, and today we're gonna be in 1 Timothy chapter three. Now, as I always say, I recognize that Timothy may be a little difficult to find in the Bible. I mean, this book is actually a library that contains 66 books. So uh, if you were to ask me how I would go about finding 1 Timothy, here's what I would tell you. Uh, If you're in a physical Bible, just open up to the table of contents. That is by far the easiest way to find any book of the Bible. So go to the table of contents. Uh, There you're gonna find that 1 Timothy is in the big section called the New Testament. So find the New Testament, that big section, uh, and then go and read through the books of that uh, section. You'll find 1 Timothy is a little way, a little past the halfway mark uh, of the books in that section. So 1 Timothy chapter three. Now, if you're in an app, just pull down the list of the books of the Bible and you will find 1 Timothy's about three quarters, a little, maybe a little more than three quarters of the way down that list. So 1 Timothy chapter three. Now, we're diving right into a brand new series. Last week, we finished up our series on the word, how to study God's word and how not to study God's word. And let me just say, if you missed that message series, go back and watch that here on our YouTube page or our website. It was an amazing series. We loved it. Uh, it, was, it was great. So please go back and watch that series if you didn't get a chance to watch that. Uh, but we're diving in today on a series uh, focused on the last of our four core values. Uh, The four core values that we have are believe, connect, grow, and serve. And today, and for the next few weeks, we're gonna be focusing on serving and leading people to Christ, going out and serving people in the name of Christ and using your lifestyle to lead them to know him. Uh, Fulfilling that statement back there, leading every generation to the life-changing hope in Jesus. So we're gonna be talking about that and ultimately this is gonna culminate on October 2nd with what we're calling the Rooftop Experience. Um, There is an organization uh, all over the world called Rooftop. Uh, It is an organization that helps people learn, understand and apply how to live an evangelical lifestyle, a lifestyle that shows people the love and the salvation that can only be found in Jesus. Uh, And so again, I wanna focus today on serving, but specifically focusing on leadership. And next week we're gonna talk about serving in the church in general. Um, Now, Scottsdale, here at First Scottsdale, we have uh, three or four, uh, four primary types of leaders, uh, elders, deacons, ministers, and then committee members. We have several committees and people can belong to those committee members. Now, today, I wanna focus on those first two, the elders, pastors, and the deacons. So we're gonna focus on that because today we're beginning a nomination process for our elders and deacons. Uh, And if you want more information on that, uh, you can reach out to us. Uh, We would love to get you connected with that process. We have a few elder positions available uh, that have opened up, and we have several deacon positions uh, available. But what is an elder? What, What is a deacon? And quite frankly, what's the difference between the two? Um, 
We're going to focus on two passages found in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, the first deals with the qualifications, what, what a person must be in order to qualify to be a deacon. And the second one is the qualifications for someone to be an elder. Um, but before I go any further, I want to give you today's big idea, because as we read the passages that we're going to look at today, this big idea, I hope, will begin to unpack a little bit and, and become, uh, be revealed as truth a little more as we walk through this process of reading these two passages. So today's big idea is this, one who cannot serve with love and humility cannot lead. Uh, in, in the church, th there's a distinct difference between what a leader looks like versus what a leader may look like in a business or in a worldly scenario. Uh, in the church, there's so much more to leadership than just being able to take command of a room or speak in front of people or make decisions. For the leader in the church, it goes much, much deeper. So, so take your Bibles uh, and let's begin with that first passage. We're gonna look at what the qualifications for a deacon is. So first Timothy, we're gonna begin in verse eight. Now, go ahead and be looking for first Timothy chapter three, verse eight. Uh, as you're looking, let me tell you a little bit about first Timothy. So first Timothy is a letter written by a guy named Paul to a guy named Timothy. Now, Paul uh, was this amazing early church leader. He, he was a missionary. He went around and led people to Christ and started churches. Now, Timothy uh, was a mentor, uh, or Paul was mentoring Timothy. And, and so Timothy was learning from Paul and was growing. And there came a point where Paul sent Timothy out to go help these churches that had been started all over that part of the world. And so Timothy's out ministering, leading these churches, and Paul writes him a couple of letters as encouragement and to give him some direction on what to do and how to lead those churches. And in 1 Timothy 3, we hear, Timothy, or hear Paul giving Timothy some instructions on what a leader must look like. Now, a deacon, first off, is less of a leader and more of a servant. As a matter of fact, just a couple of weeks ago, I, I taught on this. This book, 1 Timothy, was originally written in Greek. A and the word here that we translate deacon is actually the Greek word diakonos. And the cool thing is, is we transliterated, we, we assigned an English letter to each Greek letter and came up with the English word deacon. But in Greek, diakonos just means servant. It literally means someone who serves someone else. And so when we read this, think about, this is not a decision maker. This is someone who is serving others in the church, serving the church itself. So look with me, 1 Timothy 3, beginning in verse eight. It says, deacons, and, uh, and I, I would again uh, emphasize Deacons mean, means servant. So servants, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first. Then, 
Uh, sorry, then let them serve as deacons or servants if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, not, uh, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So Paul unpacks what a deacon, what a servant in the church should look like. And so here's some things that he says. He says they must be dignified, meaning they must be someone that everyone looks up to and wants to be like in their faith. They must not be double-tongued, meaning they say one thing but mean another, or they say one thing but in reality that's a lie. They cannot be an addict to wine or drugs or anything else. They cannot be greedy and they cannot be uh, only interested in their own gain, uh, their own promotion. Um, They must be focused and strong in their faith. And they should be someone who is already serving at a very high level. They're already teaching, they're already helping, they're already, you know, picking up and cleaning the campus, you know, whatever that servant mentality looks like. They must already be someone who is serving at a high level. Now, there is this controversial passage. Look at verse 11. It says in the English standard, their wives must likewise be, and then it goes on to describe this. Now, the hard part here is is that's uh, the way the English standard version translates this passage from the Greek is actually not what the Greek says at all. Um, And there are reasons for this. I'm not gonna get into that today, but the, the Greek actually does not say and their wives, but it says women likewise, the women likewise. And so there's an indication here with the word deacon and this set of qualifications that a deacon could be a female. Um, And again, I just wanna open this up and just mention this to you. I'm not saying that this is the belief you should have. I just want to clarify what the Bible says in the original Greek, in the original language versus the way this particular translation translates that Greek. But either way, the women that are spoken of here must be dignified. They can't be gossipers. They, can't, they must be uh, sober-minded and level-headed, and they must be faithful. Um, then um, in verse 12, it says, let deacons or, or servants each be the husband of one wife. Now, the Greek there says a one-man or, or a one-woman man. Now, this was actually a phrase that was common. It was an idiom uh, in, that, uh, in the Greek language, in the Greek culture, uh, that basically meant you were just married to one person. You weren't a polygamist, more than likely. You, you didn't have multiple women. Now, you may say, but that's confirmation that women can't be deacons. Well, back in that day and time, men were really the only ones who had multiple wives. Uh, women didn't really do that. It wasn't something that was common in that culture or, or accepted in that culture. And so there was no need for Paul to mention that here. Uh, lastly, they must be good 
managers of their household, their relationships with their spouse and their children. Um, and, and, you know, in Titus, it actually goes a step further to say, you know, if they can't manage their own household, uh, then how are we expected to serve and manage a church? Um, and so that's the qualifications that are listed here in 1 Timothy 3. Now, one, we've read this, but, but what is a deacon then? What, what does this mean? Well, again, deacon is actually the Greek word for servant. So before we go any further, the deacon is not a decision maker. They are not what we would consider like a high level leader, they're much more like a high-level minister. They're someone who is really working hard uh, and diligently within the church to serve others, to love on others, to help ministry in the church thrive and move forward. There's someone who lives their life as a true follower of Jesus. They, they're a good example, and their serving is the primary way that they show that example. Now, here at First Scottsdale, what does that mean? A servant, a deacon here at First Scottsdale, our deacons are a body of people who gather together on a regular basis and they address the needs of the church. So they, they're concerned about our widows and widowers, our, our people who are kind of our shut-ins, those who really aren't able to leave their homes or uh, are in a nursing home of some kind. They're the ones who, when a need arises, they're one of the first groups that I would go to as the pastor and present that need for someone to, to take care of, to fulfill. Now, in our church bylaws, we have this document. Every organization has to have governing documents. Our governing documents are called bylaws. And our church bylaws state this about the deacon. It says, the role of a deacon is to serve and not to be the administrative body of the church. As servants of the church body, the role of the deacon is to assist the pastoral staff in ministering to the spiritual, emotional, and physical well-being of the members of the church and to care for the church body and their needs. So what is a deacon? A deacon is a servant, but it's an intentional servant and it's a group of servants. We have a deacon body that they meet regularly to address the needs and figure out how to best meet the needs of people within the church. Uh, and so that, that's what a deacon is. Now let's move on to an elder slash pastor. Now these are elders and pastors are mentioned multiple times through the Old and New Testament, uh, but Paul gives Timothy a set of qualifications for this group as well. So look with me in the same chapter we're in, in beginning in verse one. It says this, 1 Timothy 3, 1. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, overseer is another word for deacon or pastor. He desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer or, or elder must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? 
He must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. So let's go through these qualifications. An elder, uh, a pastor must be what's called above reproach. In other words, they cannot be reasonably accused of something because they live their lives in a way that is in close alignment with God. They're righteous people. They're, they're godly people. They must be sober and level-headed. They must be self-controlled. Um, they must be respectable and hospitable. In other words, they're, uh, people think highly of them, uh, but they're also welcoming and they're, they're people who bring others in. They must be able to teach. That's one of the unique aspects of an elder versus a deacon. An elder must be someone who is able to teach a a group of believers about Jesus or or unpack a book of the Bible and begin teaching from it. Um, They must not be an addict, same with deacons. Um, Another one that's unique, but I think would apply either way to deacons or elders. An elder must not be violent, but instead must be gentle. They cannot be quarrelsome. They can't be someone who's always stirring up fights and and pushing people's buttons and they're always complaining about something. uh, Just like a deacon, they cannot be greedy, a lover of money. Um, uh, Just like a deacon, they must only have one spouse, one wife. Um, And they must, again, be good managers uh, of the children of their household. Um, now, one of the unique aspects to an elder that we find in the Bible versus a deacon is that there's really no room uh, biblically for uh, a female to be an elder. And that's something we hold to here at First Scottsdale. It's called complementarianism. Um, we hold a moderate level of complementarianism uh, in saying that a, an ordained pastor and nor an elder can be held by a female. Um, and so, That's one of the unique things about an elder or an ordained pastor versus like a deacon or a minister. Um, And then these qualifications conclude with saying they cannot be a newer follower of Jesus. They can't be young in their faith. Um, And they must have a good reputation outside of the church. In other words, the community, the people who know this person must think highly of them. They must have a good reputation in and outside of the church. So what is an elder? An elder is someone whose faith is first and foremost in the importance in their lives. Their faith, their love for Jesus, their following of Jesus is the top priority in every way, shape, and form. It's someone who is willing to make hard decisions for the church, for the health of the church. And that's one of the things that I think is one of the hardest parts about being an elder is making difficult decisions that ultimately are for the good of the church. Uh, Going back again to our church bylaws, what does our bylaws say about elders? Well, it says this, elders function as spiritual discerners and guardians of the church. They are not expected to oversee specific projects or ministry areas in their capacity as elders. They function as overseers for the entire organization. 
Elders do not make decisions with respect to programming, but are responsible for matters concerning the overall direction of the organization. So they make the spiritual big picture decisions for our church. Um, uh, Our elders are made up of our ordained pastors. Uh, Right now that's me and Pastor Keith and a handful of lay uh, elders. For our size of church, our max for lay elders is five or six men. And so that's uh, how ours is structured. Uh, One of the other things that the elders do is they hold me accountable. So if I get out of line or I say something that's really not pastoral, not godly, not right, they're the ones who come to me and and ask Chad, hey, we've noticed this. Well, we would ask that you let's talk through this and let's let's see what we need to do to correct that. And believe me, the elders of this church have done that multiple times with me, which I love. I love that I have a group of men who have permission um, and authority to come to me and say, hey man, I think you need to rethink this. Or hey, you said this the other day, let's talk through that. Or hey, what about this? Or what about that? I love that they do that with me. That I, but again, the, the big you know, one thing that elders do is they make the spiritual decisions for our church. Now, kind of taking a sidetrack for just a moment, the ministry staff here at the church make the day-by-day decisions. Uh, they do most of the programming and take care of that. And then the business decisions of the church uh, are run by our committees and what we call the leadership team. And so like uh, budget and finances, uh, buildings and grounds issues on our campus, um, staffing, all that kind of stuff is, is taken care of by a group of committees here at the church. Um, So we have these nominations for deacons and elders for the next few weeks. Uh, And so what kind of person are we looking for? If you were to take a form and you said, hey, I know somebody that I would like to nominate for the position of deacon or for the position of elder. Well, what are we looking for when we ask about that? Well, for a deacon, they must be someone who is already serving. Uh, They must be someone who is ministering to others or volunteering at a high level in in one of the ministries that we have here at the church. Um, They must be someone who loves people in the name of Jesus and their life must be godly. They must live godly lives. So, so those are some of the like just big picture qualifications that a deacon must meet in order to be nominated. Now, what about elders? I would say those three things for an elder also, they must be someone who's already serving, uh, who love people and are, are just godly, godly people. But for an elder, they must also be someone whose entire life just revolves around their faith. Nothing is more important than Jesus. They're the kind of man that when you're around them, their life and their speech and everything about them just exudes Jesus and their faith and their love for him. Um, They must be people, they must be men who live out actively and boldly the fruit of the spirit. You know, I'm, our church is not interested in having an elder that's not loving, not joyful, not peaceful, not patient, not kind.
kind, uh, not good or faithful or gentle or someone who doesn't have self-control. They, they really must be men that when you're around them, you can see the fruit of the spirit in their lives at a high, high level. <clears throat> so again, for, for both positions, um, they must be people who, who serve selflessly and they're not concerned, uh, they're more concerned about what the Bible says rather than their own preferences or opinions. Um, they, I'll be honest, you know, a deacon and, el- and an elder, these are men that don't necessarily need to be successful by the world standards. I, I, we're not concerned about their business savvy um, or, or their, their success in their career. We're concerned about their godliness. Um, quite frankly, you know, we're not concerned about how likable or friendly they are if they're not godly people. Their godliness must be the first qualifier to be a deacon or an elder. Um, We don't want anybody, we we don't want people being nominated if they're quarrelsome or if they're always complaining. They need to be someone that even if they disagree uh, with someone or something in the church, they can resolve it in a godly way. They can let their voice be heard in a way that is kind and productive. So uh, if you're interested in nominating someone, reach out to us and we would love to take your nomination. But the way this works is that we're looking for a specific type of person. Not just everybody, not just someone who uh, is well-liked, someone who is just the godliest of men in the church. But let me shift this for just a minute. We've been talking about leadership and nominating deacons and elders, but what about you? What about you right where you're at? How does this apply to you? Well, first off, recognize that there are structures in churches that the Bible tells us to put in there. The the Bible commands us to have deacons in our churches. The Bible commands us to have elders and pastors and ministers uh, and and leaders that are are, uh, moving the church in the right direction. But when you read these qualifications that are found in 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 13, what about you? These qualifications should be things that we all strive to live out in our own lives. You know, we should all be focused on Jesus. You know, these qualifications make it clear that a a deacon and an elder must be just in love with Jesus, their savior. And everything in their life, the decisions they make, the way they live, the things they say, the way they treat people, the way they go about doing things and making things happen, those must be Christ-like things. So does your life reflect that? Uh, the, a deacon and an elder must be a righteous person, you know, living under the ways that God calls us to live. Well, are you a righteous person? Do you listen to what the Bible tells us is how we're supposed to live? And do you follow that? Quite frankly, a deacon and an elder must be someone who is selfless in so many ways. But that's the call of Christ also. I mean, what are the two greatest commandments found in Matthew 22? 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We are called to live selflessly, to put God and others before ourselves. Do you do that? And lastly, do you live out the fruit of the Spirit? When you live your life, does your life just exude love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? When people talk about you and describe you, are those the words that they use? While we're talking about deacons and elders and, and nominating new men to fill those positions here in our church. My challenge to you today is, are you living in such a way that you would meet these qualifications? Because this is something that we should all strive to live like. We should all strive to live out 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 13 in our own lives. Yes, they are qualifiers. They're qualifications for deacons and elders, but they are an example of how we should be living even if we're not interested in being a deacon or an elder. And so that's the challenge today is how are you living? Are you living the way Paul describes to Timothy that a leader in the church should live? Because we should all strive to live that way. Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this opportunity to be here to discuss your work and, and leadership here in this church, here at First Scottsdale. And Lord, our prayer today is that first off, you would open our minds and hearts to someone, if you're calling us to nominate someone, that we would listen to that and that we would take that step and nominate them. But, but secondly, and more importantly, Lord, we pray that you would help us to live the way that 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 13 instructs, that these qualifications for a deacon or an elder would not just be something that we look at that someone else should be trying to achieve, but that we would recognize that we need to achieve those things as well. So Lord, help us to live for you. Help us to live in the way that you call us to live. We thank you, Lord, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.